This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We have shows coming up in Pittsburgh and San Francisco, and a special show this Wednesday about science fiction at the 92Y as part of New York Super Week. Check out storycollider.org for times and tickets. This week's story is from Karen Hopkin. The story was recorded in September 2014 at Oberon in Cambridge, Massachusetts. When my son Christopher was four years old, I ordered a DNA test to determine the identity of his father. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, it wasn't that I had, like, no idea who his baby daddy was. Um, you know, I wasn't ready for the Jerry Springer show. It's just that things got a little complicated um, in the month he was conceived. Um, I'd been trying to make a baby for two and a half years, and as a single woman, I had this sort of... I faced this special challenge of having to acquire... Uh, some of the necessary materials every month that I needed for this project. Um, at first, I relied on friends who were only too happy to uh, provide home delivery service. <laughs> but as time wore on and my friends wore out, uh, I started uh, ordering the material online. It was much less messy that way. <laughs> so in the month in question, uh, when the time was right and insemination, uh, rather uh, ovulation was imminent, I phoned the clinic uh, to uh, request my usual table, the one with the padded stirrups, and uh, I was surprised to find that I didn't have any swimmers on ice. You see, I'd taken to actually buying in bulk and then freezing the leftovers because I figured, you know, they wouldn't go to waste. So I then uh, called the, uh, but my cupboard was bare, so I called the sperm bank um, to get a rush uh, delivery. And uh, they told me that it would arrive from California um, the next day by noon. Now, here's where things get a little weird, because somehow their guarantee did not, I don't know, alleviate my sort of feeling of uh, desperation that I was experiencing. And um, I started thinking, where else could a girl get some sperm? (laughs) It had been a while, actually, and so it took some time for me to come up with the answer, men. Men have sperm, and sometimes they're even willing to share it. So I remembered that I had this friend from California who was going to be flying into D.C. to testify before Congress, and I thought, I could just hop on a shuttle, meet up with him. Now, he'd actually been a contributor to the project in the past, so this was not entirely unusual. I could meet up with him, and I could be back in the clinic tomorrow morning to, you know, meet the rest of uh, the troops. Um... So I hopped online and tried to sort of find on the congressional calendar when he might be uh, actually there or where I could find him. 
And in the midst of my cyber-stalking, my friend, I never did find him, but I stumbled across some other information that reminded me of another friend I have. This guy is an astrophysicist, and he lives right here in Cambridge. So I thought, even better. This doesn't even involve an airport. So I dropped him an email and said, you know, hey, uh, what's going on? And uh, he wrote back and said, well, you know, nothing. What's new with you? And I said, well, um, I'm trying to make a baby, and I'm really jonesing for sperm. Um, Do you have any you could spare? And he said, I get off work at 5 o'clock. Okay. Now, I'd never been intimate with this individual, but um, so he comes to my house, and it's kind of awkward, you know. Hello? (laughs) How are you? Would you like a glass of water? So let's get you out of those pants. Now... We gave it the old college try, this rocket scientist and I, but there was something he forgot to tell me, I guess in all the excitement. He failed to mention that although he got off at five, he had to be back at work at six. (laughs) So um, this is a lot of pressure, you know, even for people who are familiar. Um, And so in the end, we experienced, uh, I guess, what I would call a failure to launch. (laughs) But I figured that's okay. You know, I still have my appointment tomorrow morning. Everything is good. Everything is good. Okay. Next day, I arrive at the clinic, and I find that the sperm, however, has not. Um, It turns out it was stuck on a FedEx truck in Natick, or Nahant, or Newton, I don't know, someplace. But it wasn't where I needed it to be, and it wasn't going to be anytime soon. So I am pretty much uh, right on the verge of complete and utter freakout. Okay, when from the back of the clinic um, comes a nurse and she says, uh, come right back, you know, we have your sperm ready for you. And I thought to myself, what sperm is this? Where did it come from? Did she steal it from another patient? You know, even worse, I'm imagining that there's some staffer in the back frantically whipping up an emergency sample, you know, to keep the crazy woman in reception from going postal. But, you know, at this point, I don't really care. I say, bring it on, you know. Nine months later, my son is born. And he's the best. I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. He's totally perfect, everything, you know, I could possibly ever have wanted. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I don't know, do I actually really know for sure who his father is? Um, And, you know, was the sperm, I think, did the, you know... Did the, did the trick, was then actually the sperm I thought it was. Uh, it seemed to me that this would be a good thing to know. Um, I mean, not only does it have sort of medical implications for the child for the rest of his life, but, you know, if I were going to tell him his story, uh, you know, of, of how much he was wanted and how he came to be, um, you know, to be able to do that, it seemed that I should know what story to tell. So... Um, the astrophysicist actually wanted sort of no part of any kind of, you know, paternity test. And, um, you know, he said there was no way he could possibly be the father. And, uh, you know, I trained as a biologist, as a biochemist, actually. And uh, so I, I, I tended to, to side with him. But I was raised a Catholic. So, you know, I mean, the way I learned it, <laughs> you know, if you're even in the room with a naked male member... You may already be pregnant, you know. <laughs> and so I, I thought I'd better check. Now, at this point, I guess I could have ponied up for another sample from the donor himself, but um, that stuff doesn't come cheap, and, you know, I, I am kind of cheap. So um, I, 
I got in touch with another family who'd used the same donor, and I thought we could just compare the kids to see if they're siblings. Now, um, that may sound odd, but um, I actually had been in touch with a couple of families through uh, an online resource called the Donor Sibling Registry. And um, we'd met these families, and we'd gotten together, sort of, you know, a 21st century, you know, modern family reunion uh, style events. Um, and they're, they're fantastic people. We absolutely adore them. And it's just, uh, it's, the kids got along really well. And it's really, it was re- very interesting to see that the, um, each kid looked like his or her mom. Okay, so like in the eyes and like the cheekbones and basically, you know, the face. Okay, so each kid was kind of a clone uh, of the mom, um, which was weird. So it led my own mother to declare that obviously the donor had no genes, (laughs) which I know actually is not correct. Uh, But he didn't have dominant genes for facial structure. He did have genes for the ears, okay? So from the get-go, you know, my son's ears really stood out. And I don't mean just from the side of his head. Um, they, when he was born, they were hairy, and I didn't even know that was possible. Um, and for a while, I fretted that the donor might actually be a werewolf, you know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember seeing anything like that on the profile, but, you know, then there wasn't, like, a box, I guess, to check, you know. Does lycanthropy run in your family? <laughs> well, eventually, my son shed his ear hair, and I would come to know that all of the kids had identical ears. So, you know... This resemblance, you know, sort of boosted my confidence that, in fact, we were legitimate members of this club. But, you know, I didn't want to take the ears word for it. I wanted to hear from the DNA. Well, it turns out the easiest thing for me to do would be to check the Y chromosomes. So I don't know if you remember much of your high school biology, but uh, women have two X chromosomes. And men and boys, they have an X and a Y. So, you know, every boy gets his Y from his dad. So if Christopher, my son, got his wife from the donor and these other boys got their wives from the donor, uh, all I had to do then was compare Christopher's Y chromosome to the Y chromosome from one of the other kids, and if they matched, you know, bingo. So all I had to do was ask for a sample. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the position to sort of impose on someone that you don't really know that well, you know, with whom you hope to have a friendly and ongoing relationship, someone you don't want to think that you are a complete freak, you know. Because I felt freaky even asking for, to see a photo of the kids before we actually met, you know. I mean, who am I, right? I'm like, hi, I'm Karen, you know, that donor you used? Uh, yeah, me too, so... Um, why don't you send me some nice photos of your precious, precious children, especially the little boys? It's pretty creepy. And now I wasn't asking for a photo of their kids. I was asking for, for, for samples of their children, you know. Well, fortunately, I, I needn't have worried because I sent, uh, you know, one of the moms an email, and she wrote back straight away and said, you know, no problem about the DNA sample. It turns out she's a cop. So she said, I'm doing buckle swabs every day, you know, on the people I'm arresting. And apparently it was just no big deal for her to do the same thing on her three-year-old son. So from my days in the lab, I actually have a friend who runs a DNA um, testing facility. So he sent us a couple of kits, which was basically like, you know, a medical-grade Q-tip and a baggie to put it in and lots of paperwork to fill out. So we swabbed our sons and sent our our samples uh, off in the mail, and and then we waited. So it's like a week before Christmas, and I'm really hoping that Santa's going to bring me a pair of matching Y chromosomes. Um, And I'm very nervous because here I am. I've I've gone this whole time thinking that the donor is Christopher's father. Um, But what if 
what if I was wrong? Right? What if this dude uh, who lives like a mile away from us uh, turns out to be the dad and he wants no part of us or our lives? Um, I didn't want Christopher to feel rejected and I didn't want to get kicked out of this really cool other family. You know, they were totally awesome. And they made me feel really at home. So, and so, uh, so I was pretty anxious as I awaited the results. December 26th, a uh, mega snowstorm hits the Northeast. Blankets New York and the whole area, two and a half feet of snow. There are four-foot snowdrifts separating my friend from his laboratory. But he uh, takes a couple of days to uh, shovel his way into his office. And New Year's Eve, um, he gives me a call with the news that we actually had a match. So the boys can legitimately uh, call each other uh, brothers from another mother. (laughs) And I think I can safely say that the donor is Christopher's uh, father. Well, the origin of his maleness. Um, Was I relieved uh, at these results? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, Even my church-going mother, when I told her that, uh, you know, Christopher's father was the guy I didn't know rather than the guy I did, (laughs) yelled, thank God. (laughs) Uh, But what if the results had been different? I mean, would I have regretted my sort of impulsive, impetuous, you know, seemingly insane, sperm-seeking behavior? Um, I don't think so. Because whatever it was that happened that month, it brought me my son. And I can't imagine it playing out any other way. Thanks. That was Karen Hopkin. Karen is a freelance writer and the creator of the Stud Muffins of Science calendar. Karen received a PhD in biochemistry in 1992 and then traded in her test tubes for a keyboard. Former producer for NPR's Science Friday, Karen currently voices stories for Scientific American's daily podcast, 60 Second Science. She's a co-author of the textbook Essential Cell Biology and has written for many magazines, including Science, New Scientist, The Scientist, and Golf Digest. In her spare time, she collects the signatures of Nobel laureates on a 1950s-style autograph dog and is a mom to eight-year-old Christopher. For more science stories, take a look at storyclatter.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storyclatter.org slash donate. Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Oberon for hosting the show, and to my curly hair and my sarcasm for being just like my dad's and my mom's, respectively. Thanks for listening. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.